You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City in Norwalk, California. Today on our Norwalk campus, Pastor Thel Bringus preaches a standalone message on perceptions of Christmas. Whether you like it or not, or whether you are prepared or not, the Christmas season is upon us. This past Friday, known as Black Friday, is arguably the busiest shopping day of the year and marks the start of the Christmas and holiday shopping season, during which crowds of consumers are drawn to retail stores offering special bargains and all kinds of great deals. Have you ever wondered why it's called Black Friday? Well, the typical explanation given for the day's name is that it is the first day of the year that retailers are in the black as opposed to being in the red. In other words, the day is the first of the year that retailers have turned a profit. Now, the use of the color refers to the accounting practice of recording the credit side of an account ledger in black ink and the debit side in red ink. However, the black explanation is probably not the origin of the term. The more likely story is that Black Friday started out as a joking reference to how bad and how congested traffic would be on this day due to the influx of enthusiastic shoppers into malls and shopping outlets. Then the Monday following Thanksgiving, that's tomorrow, is Cyber Monday. So, let's face it, Christmas has officially begun. The tree goes up, the carol starts to fill our airwaves nonstop. All the stores are playing the best Christmas music. You've waited 11 months, for example, for this day, and now it is finally here. Thus, we begin a very busy season of the year. Admit it, what songwriters call the most wonderful time of the year can be the most stressful time of the year. (laughs) And when tension runs high in the home and mom and dad get stressed out, everyone is stressed. It is hectic and financially challenging. Did you know that as we approach Christmas, many of us are more susceptible to stress during this season than at any other time of the year? Christmas can be demanding for many reasons, primarily because we become so much busier this time of year, and if you are prone to anxiety, it can be downright overwhelming. We have parties to go to, shopping to get done, and we have all of these things to do. We have all the things we have to buy and all the food we have to eat. The gifts, the baking, the family, or perhaps the absence of these things can make Christmas stressful, chaotic, or just plain lonely. And for many businesses, the December workload substantially increases. At least one study suggests that it can, it can literally give you a heart attack. Obviously, a lot of people have a good reason not to like Christmas. This, there's estrangement or loss of loved ones or friends, separation, 
end of relationships. And the season is a cue, a reminder of bringing unpleasant memories flooding back. And on top of that, we have visiting relatives and financial pressures that add to our stress. I mean, plus there is something about the holiday season that makes difficult times seem even more difficult. We have such high expectations of this time of year. We want peace, we want happiness, we want joy, we want goodwill. And if things are not right in our lives, we feel specially let down. And so here we are. Christmas is coming just about four weeks away. And so before we get all caught up in the marketing hoopla that becomes amplified a thousand times in December about spending your hard-earned money, buying gifts, using your credit cards, going to parties, entertaining friends and families, I thought it might be a good idea to speak on a subject that might prove helpful and get you on the right track, on the right frame of mind, this holiday season. And so this morning I'm going to speak on the subject of perceptions. This means the ability to see, to hear, to understand, to grasp, to recognize, or become aware of, of something through the senses. I've always found it fascinating how two people can go through the same event and have a completely different experience. For example, we went on a short trip with a family to the Monterey Peninsula, my favorite place in the world. And so I suggested to Ken that we drive and we use Highway 1, the scenic route to Monterey. Our grandchildren did not think much about the ocean because as far as they're concerned, when you see one, you see them all. Anyway, as we got to Monterey, we went on the 17-mile drive in Carmel. Now, there are several spots on this drive where you can stop and take it all in. I mean, the beautiful ocean views, the sea otters, the seals, the beautiful rock formations, etc. And there's one particular lookout called the Lone Cypress, right there. I took that picture, by the way iPhone 6 plus yes sir okay and I took this particular picture and there's the lookout there called the Lone Cypress been there for a century weather beaten exposed to all kinds of weather through a storms wind rain the sun and the harsh element of the California coastline. And it's a favorite among visitors because it's a place to take pictures and what, what have you. And I was admiring this lone cypress tree there standing tall from approximately 100 yards from where I was standing when someone commented, it's only a tree. So for that, two people viewing the same scenery and come away with different experience. Now, this happens in the movies. Two people watching the same movie. Let's say Casablanca, one of my favorites. 
Uh, actually, this has been considered by many as a classic movie. One loves it and one hates it, right? You ask them why and one might answer, you know, I love it because the story was so compelling and so moving and so tragic. And Humphrey Bogart's character was so, so authentic. Now, by the way, for those of you who don't know Humphrey Bogart, huh, he's the famous actor in the 50s, I guess it was. And, and his character in this movie has so many flaws and so bitter and so broken and so self-serving and yet it was so principled. And when it came down to the final moment, he stopped, stopped thinking of himself and instead did what was best for others or for the good of the free world. Thumbs up. And another might answer, are you kidding me? Boring, 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 boring. I hated it. It's in black and white. And my goodness, the music is outdated. I didn't like the stories of World War anyway. There's no action, no special effects. And whoever said Humphrey Bogart can act. Boring, boring, boring. Thumbs down. Two people see the same movie and come away with a different experience. Now, this often happens when talking with someone who has traveled overseas. If you have traveled internationally, you've seen it, you've heard it. I've met people visiting the Philippines who found nothing good to say about the country. It is so hot and humid and dusty and the traffic. Air is polluted. The noise, the food is so different and it's so crowded over there and there's so much poverty, corruption, and you cannot get on the internet half of the time. Frustrating. It's nothing like home. And I've heard people, however, who visit the Philippines and they say, what a paradise, dude. I mean, I've never seen such blue skies smiling on me. Love the food, lumpia, balot, oh, durian, San Miguel. The beach is gorgeous, man. The weather is incredible, and the people are so warm and friendly, and they speak English. <laughs> Everyone is always smiling. I feel so at home. Love to go back, and maybe this time around I'd like to stay a little longer, or maybe even consider retiring there not. <laughs> Two people in the same group visiting the same country have completely different experiences. Now why is that? It tells you more about the person than it tells you about the actual experience. It is a, it's the same way with Christmas. Different people experience the season in different ways. Some people go into the store and say, did you hear that? Wow, they are playing music about Jesus. Jesus' birth, the King of Kings. Isn't that wonderful? This is so neat. And others go into the store and say, did you hear that? Did you hear what the clerk said? 
Did you hear that? Happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. I'm not going to shop you anymore. I'm going to take my business somewhere else. Some people see the person in uniform ringing the bell outside a mall and say, why, this is such a great kind of a thing, an opportunity to help others in a small way. And there's this great organization man who is going to help making Christmas better for families in need. And others respond saying, that bell gets on my nerves, dude. It drives me up the wall. It's irritating. And why does everyone have to have their hand out during this season? Again, it tells you more about the person than it tells you about the experience. Now, I will admit that I can be just as critical and negative as anyone. I'm not always Mr. Positive, ask my wife. But I want to be. I want to see the cup as half full, and I want to see the problem as an opportunity and not a disaster. I want to see life as a comedy and not a tragedy. When life gives me lemons, you've heard this before, I don't want just to make lemonade, but I want Sonia to make some lemon meringue pie. <laughs> yummy, 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 right? Listen, the closer I get to Jesus, the more faithfully I live in his presence and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more I'm able to do this. So in many ways, the quality of one's experiences and ultimately the quality of one's life becomes down to the quality of one's perceptions. And this is true in all of life, and it is especially true at Christmas time. So as you read the Christmas story, you will discover that each had their own perception of the Christmas event. So today, we'll take a closer look at a few of them after that long introduction. Alrighty? That was just an introduction, by the way, so fashion your seatbelts, dude. Okay? Because we are in for a ride. You'll be here for another two hours. Well, you're all... I was going to use the word fed up. You're all full anyway after Thanksgiving. You don't need lunch today. <laughs> Did you know that they slaughtered 45 million turkeys this last Thanksgiving? 45. And some of you are guilty that are sitting here today. Okay, what about, what about the angels? Let's look at the angels. The angels experienced Christmas with great joy. Now, do you remember what the angel said when he first appeared to Mary? He said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. And when he appeared to Joseph in a dream, he said, Joseph, thou son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 20, Now, the angels understood this event, 
Christmas is something special, something incredible, something spectacular, something miraculous, something that will change the course of human history. And just a few months later, while some shepherds were watching their flocks at night in a field outside the little town of Bethlehem, an angel appeared before them. They were terrified at first, but the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, I especially love this part of the story in verses 13 to 14 in Luke chapter 2. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, the angels experienced Christmas with great joy because they knew what Christmas really means. It means that God has not given up on the human race and he never will give up on a human race. It means that he cares enough about you and me to send his only son into the world so that through him we might have eternal life. So when you get stressed out at Christmas time because you've got too much to do or you've got too far to travel or because you don't have enough money to do everything, or because a certain family member won't be joining you this year, or precisely a certain family member is joining you this year. Listen, you can stop for a minute and remind yourself to experience Christmas like the angels experienced it, with joy, with celebration, and praise to God. What about Mary? Well, Mary experienced Christmas with a sense of wonder. After the shepherd boys had come to the manger to see Jesus, and after they had gone to tell others, Luke writes, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, I love this perspective of Christmas. As you can well imagine, it was a whirlwind for Mary. I mean, the events leading up to this very moment. There was the angel's revelation, her visit to her cousin Elizabeth, and then breaking the news to her family, and then finally had to break the news to her fiancé, Joseph. And then there was the journey to Bethlehem. She was about to give birth to to the Christ child, and then when they got to Bethlehem, only to find out that uh, there was no room at the Marriott in, in, in Bethlehem. None at all. And so they had to settle for a cattle stall in a barn, and there, the birth, the miracle birth, and then out of nowhere, there was a group of shepherds that show up, telling her about seeing an angel and hearing a heavenly host. Now, Mary took a moment to think about what it all meant. And I'm sure this was not the only time that in her life that she did this. And as she sat alone, pondered, 
in her heart all that God has done for her and all that he had called her to do. You know, I don't know about you, but I've often wondered if Mary fully understood or knew what it all meant. And that, that particular wonder was beautifully expressed in a song by Mark Laurie. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save your sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to the blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Ah, I have often, I have often wondered, I have often wondered if Mary knew. So I encourage you today to follow Mary's example in the midst of the hustle and the bustle of the season. Slip away for a few minutes, as much as you have time to do, to think about Jesus, what he means to you and what you mean to him. His presence in your life how he demonstrated his steadfast love and mercy and grace on your life. 
and how he taught us to live and how to pray and how he died on the cross for our sins and how he rose again so that you and I, as he will live, we, can, we too shall live. Just think about this. Christmas means that God loves you, that he saves you, that he wants to bless you and use you to be a blessing to others. Experience Christmas this season with a sense of wonder. What about the Magi? Well, the Magi experienced Christmas as a journey. Years before the birth of Jesus, a fellowship of Eastern philosophers began to study a great star that appeared in the sky. They believed that it had something to do with the fulfillment of ancient prophecies that there's a coming of a great king. Now, this star was visible for all to see. Everyone looked into the night sky and could see the star. But these men did what no one else did. They packed their bags and went looking for it. How long did they travel? We don't know exactly. They came from Persia, so the journey took several months or maybe even longer. They kept, you know, kept going on, traveling, kept seeking. And as the old joke goes, they stopped in Jerusalem and asked for directions. And then they found him. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. Matthew 2, 11. My dear friends, the Christian life is a journey spent seeking Christ, worshipping him, and giving him our riches. What are the riches we give him, you ask? Well, the song tells us. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I will give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. I give him my heart. This Christmas season, we should give thought to our own journey and ask ourselves, what am I really seeking? What am I hoping to find underneath the star? Am I hoping to find a pot of gold, happiness, greatness, fulfillment? Or am I hoping to find Jesus, the answer to all my longings, the answer to all my needs, savior, baptizer, great physician, coming king? And then, what about Herod? Well, you know what? Herod experienced Christmas as a threat. The Magi came to him saying, where is the one who is born king of the Jews? Now, Herod, of course, did not like the implications of that question. Why? Because he saw the birth of this king as a threat. Herod was not a kind of a man who would surrender the throne without a fight. Neither would he bow his knees to another. He was king and he refuses to yield. His response to the Magi's visit was horrific and violent. He ordered his soldiers to kill every child under two years of age in Bethlehem. Now, should Herod 
have perceived Jesus as a threat? Of course not. Not politically. Jesus was not after Herod's throne. He was not here to build his own kingdom on earth. Jesus was after Herod's heart, just as he pursues the heart of every person who has ever lived, and just as he pursues your heart and my heart today. For some people, Christmas is a threat. Especially because of what it means. The spiritual implications of Christmas. See, Jesus is not just a little babe born in Bethlehem in a manger. He is Savior. He is Christ. He is Lord. He must be taken seriously. Everything he said must be taken seriously. You know, he challenged his followers as he challenges each of us today, man, to break out of our shells and stretch out of our comfort zones into the real and dangerous world of serving and caring and loving others. He challenges us to be generous to the poor, to forgive our enemies, to serve one another in love and put God first above all other things. And sometimes we see the lordship of Christ as a threat. Why? Because we want to live for ourselves. And we say, I want to do what I want to do, where I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it. Why? This is my life and I am calling my own shots. And many Christians struggle Daily in this inner civil war. Who will be Lord of my life today? Some days we're like Herod and some days we're like the Magi. The journey of seeking God culminates with acknowledging him as Lord. And this is something that we must do every day. Jesus said that we are to take up our cross daily that every day we must decide who will be Lord of my life today who is going to sit and occupy the throne of my heart today King Jesus or myself me I I choose Jesus what about you There's one more thing. Back to the shepherds who are watching their flocks. The shepherds experienced Christmas personally. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Like the Magi, their attitude was, this is something we've got to see for ourselves. So let's go look for it. Let's go find him. And when they found him, what did they give him? Gold, frankincense, myrrh? No. They were poor shepherd boys. They had nothing to give, but look what they did. Verse 17. 
when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Go down to verse 20. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they have been told. So these poor shepherd boys had no gifts to share. They could only share their experience, what they had seen, what they'd heard. They could only share their story. They could share their joy and their amazement. And in doing so, they spread it to others. Sometimes I think we like to give Christmas gifts because it makes us feel good about ourselves. And we, are, we desperately want the recipient of our gift to think well of us in it, especially if we're seeking their approval. And sometimes I think, and I'm speaking from my own experience here, that sometimes we are afraid that this is all we have within us to give. I remember when it was easier to give presence than it was to give joy to others. It was so much easier to buy and give stuff than to share God's love because, because I was too busy and, and too stressed out to experience joy, too busy and stressed out to share God's love. All I could give was something that cost money because emotionally and spiritually I was running on empty. I'm telling you today, folks, that doesn't have to be that way. The greatest gift you can receive at Christmas time is the presence of Christ in our lives. And the greatest gift you can give is the gift of God's presence with others. There's an old hymn that says, Though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he is not born in you, your soul is still forlorn, sad, miserable, despondent, downcast, wretched. It is my prayer that you experience Christ fully in your heart and in your life, that he be born in you. And it is my prayer that you will share this glorious experience with everyone around you. Now listen, by the way, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. Giving material gifts is good, and I encourage you to be as generous as you possibly can be this Christmas season. Some people have a lot to give. Some have very little to give. Give what you can, all right? But don't stop there. I challenge you to take your generosity a step further. Share your joy. Share the wonder of God's love with others. If you have a chance, remind them that his birth was announced with the words, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, is the best thing ever because because it is something that we experience personally. Christ comes to us where we are and makes his home in our heart.
how will you experience Christmas this year? My prayer is that you will experience Christmas with joy like the angels. And that like Mary, you will take time to contemplate the wonder of it all. Oh, the wonder of it all. The wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. Oh, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. Contemplate on the wonder of it all, all that God has done for you and all that God has done through you. And like the Magi, I pray that you will experience Christmas as a journey in which you discover the fullness of life in Jesus, that you come to him in worship, that you come bringing the richest gift that you can ever give him, and that is the gift of your heart. My prayer is that unlike, unlike Herod, you experience Christmas by surrendering to the Lordship of Christ, that you give him his rightful place on the throne of your heart. And it is my prayer that like the shepherds, you will experience Christ personally, that you'll be filled with joy and amazement and wonder, and that you will share this joy with others. It is my prayer that you will experience Christmas not just as a holiday, but as a life-changing event. This is what Christmas makes Christmas the best thing ever. And one thing more. Before you start on your shopping list, wrapping presents, baking cookies, writing cards, and so on, get realigned today. Realigned now. The world would have you and I focus on commercialism and gluttony, right? But you and I know better. Spend some time focusing on the one, the only one that matters for a stress-free Merry Christmas. I said at the outset <clears throat> that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It can also be the most stressful time of the year. Why? Because we have forgotten the true meaning of Christmas. For when Jesus is missing at Christmas time, it is stressful. Now, listen, Christmas is not about Santa. It's not about holidays. It's not even about family or sharing or gifts or whatever else you want to label it with. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus, his miraculous birth and his birth in our hearts. It is the reason we celebrate Christmas. And no matter how many turkeys you've gobbled, right? Or how many hams you've eaten or lechon or roasted pig you have annihilated or destroyed, chocolates you've eaten, cakes you have devoured, or family criticisms you've endured. Rejoice in the Lord. Smile when another car takes your parking lot at Cerritos Mall. <laughs> Blow them a kiss when they cut you off on the freeway. <laughs> laugh, just laugh when the Christmas lights blow a fuse or the turkey is 
undercooked or overcooked. You know, things go wrong. Roll with it. Keep rejoicing in Jesus. Why? Because you are celebrating him after all. Not you, not anybody else, but the Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Let's all stun. I'm done. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.